0: I don't know, I have to look at it, but I'm pretty sure like anything I've built, it's because I was at a critical moment where I had no choice, like something went wrong. It was like literally a result of a shift or a change or like something negative in my business that I had to solve the problem for. So yeah, if we didn't have B20, if my business didn't come to a grinding halt, I would never have built Lender Spotlight.
1: Maybe we'd have lender. It's always the way though. It's like, I say creativity loves constraints. And so when you apply a constraint, the bottom falling out of the market and tax deduct, well, okay, now I've got to be creative the most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers join your host scott peckford on i love mortgage brokering hey broker nation scott peckford here welcome to the island mortgage brokering podcast Today i have jason henneberry on the show with me jason is one wicked smart dude that i've known for a long time and man we have a great conversation so i don't even know where to start with my background on him so initially i met him doing something called the tax deductible mortgage plan so sort of like a smith maneuver he was doing all these seminars all over Western Canada, and then he moved into something called Mortgage Pal, which it was an online lead type site, similar to Lake Butler and True North, and he created something called Doc Assist, as well as Lender Spotlight, and now he's got another cool tool he's working on. The guy just is so innovative. I love chatting with Jason. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. I basically went through his history of kind of where he's gone since he got into mortgages, and then what he learned at each of those kind of major inflection points, and it's a really, really interesting conversation. I think you're going to like it. Also in this episode, I talked to Ben McCabe from Bloom about life with a reverse mortgage. And if you don't know, right now, Bloom has a special on it, they pay 250 basis points for every referral to the end of October. This is 2022, this won't be forever. But hey, if you're listening to this and you got a reverse mortgage client, go check them out at bloomfin.ca. Before we jump into that, though, I want to give you a shout out to Lender Spotlight, our title sponsor for our show. So Lender Spotlight, the reason I like them is they're very easy to use for borrowers and brokers. And so as a borrower is filling out the app, it starts to figure out what documents they need. When you get that application that comes in, now you can search something called Lender Spotlight, which is actually a tool that Jason built and sold to Lendesk. And the tool is amazing in terms of being able to search rates and guidelines. It's extremely robust. And then after that, when you get to hit submit, it actually pulls the key data from the application, puts it in the notes, makes it easy so that you don't have to, you know, go look for what the stuff you're going to send to the lender. And it even does like a kind of double check to make sure that hey, don't forget you're sending it to this lender. Here's the policies for that lender, and go check them out at lendesk.com/finmo, and check out this conversation that I have with Jason. I think you're really going to like it. Hey, Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, man, thanks for having me. So have you ever been on the show with me before? Uh, like years ago? Year, like Years like, ago. Yeah, back before I did all this Botox that I do now. No, I don't do Botox, but <laughs> you see some of these You look, movie you look stars? exactly like, the
0: same. I don't oh think no, you've changed.
1: A, it's a filter. So hey, maybe a little background on who you are. I've known you for a long time, way back in the tax deductible mortgage days. You're one of the wicked smart dudes in the mortgage industry and innovative. Yeah. And so we'll touch on some of the cool things you've been doing. And I think one of the cool things that you're cooking up that I'm super excited about it and also mildly disappointed. I didn't think of it, but hey, whatever. It needs to exist. But to so tell me a little bit about your background, how'd you get into mortgages? And then we'll kind of work our way up to current.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, man. So I've been doing this for a long time. So 2003, I started doing mortgages at the bank, like bank branch level for TD Bank. And then I put up some big numbers of mortgages. And then so Steve Rogerson from the mortgage sales force, he was a manager at the time, he like pulled me out of the branches. He actually sat me down. And he said, you know, if you were putting up this level of mortgages and you were working over here in this department, here's how much money you'd make. And I was like making $14 an hour trying to, you know, pay my bills. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I couldn't believe it. So my eyes went wide. So I jumped ship from the branch over to mortgage Salesforce. And then like literally 18 months later, I realized that the bank would pay me twice as much again, if, I became an independent mortgage broker and still referred all my business in, right? You're so like, wait
1: a second. I had yeah. some
0: aha moments there in the first few years. Yeah. So I've been an independent mortgage broker since 06-ish. Yeah. And then just sort of, like you said, we met doing tax deductible mortgages. So by 07, 08, I was doing seminars for mortgages because I never really liked asking friends and family for referrals. So I had to kind of put my mind to work on how to attract people. Yeah. And tax deductible mortgages was a big thing. Like, it was a really good draw. Like, asking the question, is your mortgage tax deductible? Is just, like, the
1: best marketing question ever, in my opinion, for mortgages. Because people are like, oh, I, don't I don't know. know. Is it's it? Not yeah, don't, they don't know the answer. So then they need to get more information, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like, everybody loves to be in tax. And everybody has a mortgage. So it was a really easy one. So we, like, you know, because you came down. We actually, you and I did a little bit of work together. We mm-hmm. brought the seminars to Kelowna. Like, over two years, we did, like, 20000 homeowners came through our seminars and we took like a billion dollars worth of mortgage applications. And we funded about a third of it and it was crazy. And then the market changed in 08, 09, nobody wanted to talk about, you know, refinancing their house to invest anymore. So like the whole thing shifted. And then, yeah, so I just moved into like advertising online in 2012 and turned into a mortgage things. pal, right? That was mortgage yep. pal. So it's funny because when we were doing the tax taxable mortgage seminars, Like, literally, everything, our entire process was about educating people on like, you should think differently about your mortgage. It's not about the rate, it's about how much faster can you be mortgage free? How much wealthier can you be at the end of it? So, it was like 100% pure value, but it was like beating our head against a brick wall because they just want to talk about the rate. Yeah. You know, and so you've probably been down that path. So, when I had to kind of reinvent myself after the market correction, I thought to myself like, okay, well, what would life be like if it was easy? Because I've just spent all this time and energy trying to convince people that they should be looking at their mortgage from a different perspective, yet they keep coming back to the same question. So I actually got into the online rate game in 2012. And I said, well, I'm just going to give people what they want. And so I advertised like a low rate. I had everything figured out. Like we knew that if we dropped 15,000 flyers, we'd get 50 registrations, 25 people would show to a seminar. And we had our process and we'd fund like three or four mortgages. And so like we had all our numbers. So we knew our cost of acquisition of a client from the seminar days. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give the people the money. I'm going to stop spending the money to try to drive the traffic. I'll lower the rate. And it was like crazy because it was like a floodgate. I remember my very first application was a little old lady. Like I got this application online within about an hour of advertising my rate. This is back in 2012. And it was a retired lady. She didn't know me from Adam. And within an hour of my call with her, she had scanned all her docs over to me. So not only did like I meet someone that I'd never met before, but it was an elderly person who knew how to scan docs. And the light bulbs went off for me. I was like, That would not be my dad.
1: My dad could not do this. He'd be like, I gotta get this to work. But yeah, that's awesome.
0: So it's was like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. So you can see what happened there, right? It was like, it was easy to attract people because I just gave them what they wanted. And then the types of people at that time, like everybody's online now, but at that time, the type of person that would look for a mortgage online was kind of tech forward, even a retired lady. And so we were able to really focus on process. Yep. Like I stopped meeting people. I went full paperless in 2012, didn't meet anybody at all online process and like the business just blew up and we had to build underwriting teams and systems and processes around that. And then one day I woke up and I realized, I'm like, man, I've just built a whole underwriting center. So it was around 2015, I launched Doc Assist, which was like my first attempt I, to like yeah,
1: yeah, do something exactly for the channel. Great. I know lots of what you're starting. Okay, dude, there's so much to unpack here. Okay, so tax deductible mortgages, let's start back there. What we're going to do yeah. is we're, I'm going to just do this journey with Jason of like, you had hits and misses just like me. I think that for people listening, there'll be lots of learning for the minute. And then at the end, we'll talk about not the new thing, but this cool thing that I think all of you guys should get your email address into that Jason is doing. And it's totally free. It's not like, hey, we're going to sell you some crap at the end. It's completely free. You're going to love it. Okay. So you did these seminars with that refable Mortgage Plan. And what was the biggest mistake that you made with that? I think I know what you're going to say, but I don't. Maybe you have another mistake there. But what was do the you, biggest do mistake? Do think what, you know
0: what I'm going to say? I don't I'm not, know. I'm
1: sure you do. I know exactly
0: what my biggest mistake was. I didn't give myself enough credit and I didn't put enough value on my role in that process. So we had marketing, we had funnels, like we'd have to send flyers out and radio and bus ads and all this stuff. So we had like marketing department and then we had people who would like run the seminars and then like I had assistants who would process the deals. I paid everybody so much money that there was literally nothing left. So I told you a minute ago how much volume we did. I made no money. Like I took a billion dollars worth of mortgage apps in two years. So when the market shifted in 2008, like I drove myself into the ground, I couldn't afford the marketing anymore and I didn't have enough margin in my business. And then the business really suffered and I had to start letting everybody go and the whole thing came apart. And so like the number one most important thing. So when I like relaunched my business online in 2012, I made sure that I kept enough money to pay for marketing, enough money that the business would be profitable, and then paid the people in the process the right level so that it could scale. So I learned how to do that.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the thing I thought you were going to touch on was, yeah, $2 mortgages. And it was, I mean, you use a lot of Merrick's mortgages with trailers, so they had smaller front ends. And so you're working on smaller commissions anyway, playing the long game. But the one thing that you had told me about was when the market had shifted, 2008, 2009, like literally nobody was selling, house prices were dropping, stock market was dropping. So borrowing money from your house to buy investments was like, yeah, that might be a little, but not the best message at the moment. It's kind of like there's a movie coming out now by Guy Ritchie that the bad guys in the movie are Ukrainians. Well, they haven't released the movie. They're reworking the entire movie because they're like, wait wait a second. We can't make the bad guys Ukraine because it just would be a terrible timing for that movie. It would get trashed. I've, I've noticed movies in the 80s, they would identify what country the bad guy was
0: from. And movies nowadays just has like this random terrorist that you don't something really understand.
1: say like, come something, something like snack, stand It's like not even a real country. Totally. They don't identify it anymore. Like yeah. the big
0: blockbuster movies don't even go there. Yeah.
1: yeah. They don't want to. But the Russian accent is still terrifying. So if you have a Russian accent, you're intimidating no matter what. But it's so terrible. you had said to me that like when it shifted, you had already committed a lot of money into these because these flyer campaigns and stuff, which were effective were also expensive and that was kind of cool. like the tipping point so but that kind of led up oh to so,
0: okay so yeah like yeah. probably the takeaway lesson about like how to structure the business is what i just talked about there But like just make sure that if you're building a business you give yourself enough value in that process that was my big lesson but i had a critical error that i made and it was to solve that problem so i wasn't making a lot of money we had a ton of volumes but i knew my numbers i knew if i spent x on marketing So many people show up to seminars. We'd take so many apps and I would fund so many deals. And I had it all dialed in because I'd been doing it for two years. I didn't want to reset all the staff, but I had this massive marketing expense. And at the time, it was like radio flyers, TV, bus ads, all that kind of stuff. Like it was a full meal deal. It was a real program. We had newspaper ads. In traditional media, if you like commit to spending more, you get massive discounts. Like your radio spots, I don't even know what they are today, but at the time they were like $400 or some crazy thing. Yeah. 15 seconds. But if you said, okay, I'm going to commit. Nobody listens
1: to radio anymore. I'm just kidding. What's that? <laughs> Nobody listens, Nobody to, listens radio. to radio. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. Probably it's no, dirty. What, thing is, what is this radio thing? Yeah.
0: But yeah, we used to do like CKNW news. And if you wrote a check and you committed like six months in advance, you would literally get like 50%, 60, 70% off sometimes. And so you can be really strategic about your spend. So I was like, that's how I'm going to make my money. I know my numbers. I know my business. I'm going to scale the heck out I, of it.
1: Instead of squeezing the people that I'm paying, I'll make a better deal on the marketing, which then puts more money in my jeans, provided Correct. the market did literally went the opposite direction.
0: So I remember August 15th, 2008, I signed off on all our marketing like 600,000 flyers a quarter prepaid. We had like a literally a massive moving truck full of flyers, all the radio. Everything, and I had to achieve a certain level of performance in my seminars between then and Christmas. In order, I had like forty seminars booked or something like that in BC, Alberta, Ontario. Anyway, September fifteenth, the bottom fell out of the market, two thousand and eight. Capital markets dried up, and nobody came to my seminars. Like nobody. I think I did one mortgage between September and December, and so I basically went bankrupt. I had to sell
1: my house, my rental properties, everything. My wife and I started over. It was like complete disaster. Right. So yeah. yeah, you know, you learned and then, okay. So fast forward into mortgage pal, you get into that business and say, wait a second, instead of spending money, I mean, you'd spent money to be on rate sites and stuff because you were advertising, but tell me about that. Cause you were early to the game. And I mean, Butler has been in it forever, but like mortgage pal was kind of early to the game in the rate buying leads and stuff back in 2012. I think now it's much more established. So I'd love to know about what was kind of working then. And what do you notice now what's happened in the last 10 years of that space?
0: So at the time I was early, but I wasn't the earliest. So, you know, like people like True North Mortgage, True North Mortgage basically had a monopoly on not buying online rates. They had big brand presence on uh, rate supermarket and rate hub and all that kind of stuff. In fact, they launched rate hub. So I started just buying from those platforms as well. The thing that I noticed, I mean, there's so many lessons that we learned. I think the, the thing that could be like most helpful to anybody listening to this is the world's obviously evolved and there's lots of people that are advertising online. So the one thing is back then it was quite easy to attract clients and convert clients. And I think that game is a lot harder today because there's just oh, so yeah. much competition. So there's yeah. no doubt that 100%. it's tougher if you want to apply the model. But I think there's a big misconception in terms of like, I see a lot of chatter about people who say, oh, you know, they're buying the rates down, they're giving away the farm, they can't possibly be profitable. I think that people don't necessarily always understand how smart the people are behind the scenes, like how smart Butler is, or how smart Dan Eisner is, or- They know their numbers, man. Those guys know, they know- They are the best operators in the business. And so they've got scale. And so one of the things that happened at Mortgage Pal is- like I had to break the rollout in order to be efficient, I had to be on the phones as much as possible. So I had a call booker who would just like literally call the leads and book them in my calendar. There were days where I would talk to 15 new clients a day and I'd get seven apps in by the end of the day. Like it was just, was crazy volume. But in order to do that, I had to be able to like take myself out of doing the deals. And so then we needed an underwriter and actually we needed multiple underwriters and then the underwriters needed assistance. So we had all these different people doing the job. And then what I think people don't realize is When you take the mortgage process and you compartmentalize all these different roles, you actually do a better job if you're good at it. You can service the heck out of those clients way better than if you're a solo broker who's trying to be a jack of all trades. And you see a lot of chatter. It's like, well, they couldn't possibly be delivering service if they're delivering those rates. It's the opposite. They're delivering so much service because they have to be so efficient. They're such great operators and the right person who's got the Best skill set for that particular part of the process is touching the client at that particular time. So, like if you look at a solo mortgage broker, they might be really good at attracting clients. They might not be great at, you know, updates and follow-ups and things like that. Or if you've got a really good processor, they might be really good at doing the file, but they might not be so good at like bedside manner or something like that. Right. So I'm just throwing a couple things out. But if you take those roles and you put like a highly specialized person and then you have all these touch points the clients come out the back end and they're like, that was the best experience I've ever had. And so these groups are able to be really efficient and they're able to deliver a good experience. And they're also really good about helping people understand and edifying their clients around like, you know, the rates that they're advertising, they're able to move them off those rates because they're able to educate the clients that maybe they prefer. There's some other features you might want to like have and then so as clients yeah it's amazing
1: how many clients reach out to them for that rate and then end up with and it's not a bait and switch it's a, wait a second maybe you don't qualify be like it goes to like you said a different product than they thought but it's more like an assembly line. The thing is is I think both models can work. I think both models can and they will continue to exist this is just my own I, don't, I don't do any of that a, anymore,
0: right? Like I've evolved right. out of it, right? So but, yeah. But, but the you're assembly
1: right. line that you built, like I have never built the assembly line mortgage business, but what my observation is, is that they're fantastic, provided the files that they fit a certain, if the files start to get into B business, then they got to go down a different train track, whether they get referred out. I know that some of these big firms that do this online thing, they still make money. They just, they refer it out to some, like a specialist who's good at that particular thing. And then you know, push them down that path, but yeah, it's a yeah. it's a totally valid business model. Totally, like, is. It, yeah. And but if people they don't do, they do know to, to like the average mortgage broker, like because they have to, right? Like you have to know your numbers and you've got to know what everything costs. You can't and, do to run that business.
0: Oh my god, there's so much going on in my head right now. Like I want to share so much. So we evolved that model, and obviously we've done different things since then. But what was really interestingly, like we were advertising rates. So you know, you would expect that they would generate 30, 40 basis points in commissions, but our average comp was eighty-seven basis points. And so we had a process where someone would like reach out and we'd be like, "Oh, Scott, you reached out today because you saw, our, you know, whatever, 4.5, you know, 5-year fix and we would just tell people be like, "Here's how you can get that." So if you're buying a home and it's 5% down and blah 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 blah, and it's all these things and it's got like no prepayment privileges, all these things. If that's you, winner winner chicken dinner. You can have it all day long. But if it's not you, then, you know, we'll get you close. And then people would just self-select out. They'd be like, you know what? That's not me. I'm not. Thank you. But, and so it would be like this very transparent process. And then people would say, well, I'm actually refinancing my rental portfolio. And then we would just take them down a different path and be like, okay, no problem. You know, you can still do this. When you're thinking about marketing any product or service, it doesn't even have to be mortgages. Give people what they want. Like the marketing of your business should be based on the results that people want. So, when I was advertising all of these financial benefits, I had to spend a fortune to break through to break through to people when I was advertising tax deductible mortgages. But the moment I just gave people what they wanted and I just, you know, you want a rate, I'm gonna give you a rate. Like the floodgates open and the leads were plentiful. You
1: were using like a pull marketing instead of a push. Cause when yeah. you have to educate people, it's like they first off, you gotta create some curiosity. I don't know if my mortgage is tax deductible. Then I gotta learn about how it works. Then I gotta make the decision. Versus the other way is like, you know, just okay, because that's the only thing they know. That's the only way they know how to compare mortgages is through rate. That's
0: the only way they know. Like most people know that. So as mortgage brokers, let's stop resisting that. Just give people what they want. They want to talk about rate first. No problem. Talk about rate first. That's what's going to attract people and it's what's going to build trust because that's the only question people know how to ask. So let's answer the question. That's how you get the client, but that's not how you keep the client. And how you keep the client is you appeal to, you know, their other human needs, like their need for connection, their need for it to be communicated to their need to like understand what's going on or their need to feel like they're making good decisions towards their financial future, like whatever it is, it's probably not a basic human need. There's but
1: a Maslow hierarchy of needs. There, there's like a
0: bunch of needs. So you track them with the thing that they're looking for, and then you service them by educating them about like what it is that you do and how you can help them achieve the things right. that you have. So, you, so Anyway, I mean, those are lessons you can take across any business.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And then so in there, there was a couple of things you did, which I think were interesting. One was Doc Assist. Maybe you explain what Doc Assist was, what worked and what didn't when you did it. Because when I first saw it, I was like, this is a brilliant idea, right? And it seemed to get to a certain scale, but then I don't know if it didn't. It was complex or whatever. Just telling me what was. Yeah. Like then, tons
0: of problems. Yeah. Delivery of service was challenged. But really what we did is I just took, I had this underwriting system that I was doing for myself. And I was like, man, if I'm able to scale my business using all these systems and people and processes, I just felt like I wanted to share it with other people. So I created DocAssist because I was like, okay, well, we're going to provide this underwriting on demand service. And so I built a whole business around the fulfillment of the mortgage, you know, taking the application, collecting the docs, all that kind of stuff. And people wanted it. The problem was that people wouldn't pay enough. Like the level that we needed to charge in order to have the business be financially viable didn't align with what people were what people wanted to, to pay. pay. Like right. yeah, and the, the, no one's right or wrong in that equation. It's just very difficult to
1: scale. And then we- Once enter you get people. to a certain price point, they go, well, I should just get my own person. Like There's a point where it goes from, hey, you're kind of like, think of like fractional ownership to, for that price, I might as well just have my own person. The and then thing. they can do other stuff for me. They can call my database and send some emails and make up my whatever. So like there's a point where it's like, oh, okay, you fell into the price. And this is probably in their mind, this is the calculation that people typically would do, I would think.
0: The biggest challenge that we had to scaling was we needed to change- Broker behavior because we needed everybody to follow our process. Like, in order for this to work, it's like
1: a file yeah, comes good in, do it our it's way. independent contractors. Yeah. Like, oh, no, no, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to follow it that way. I want, yeah, I can. It's like
0: pulling hair out, man. I was like there's so many different ways to process a file, no right or wrong way. But like, some brokers are docs up front, some brokers are docs at the end, some brokers want to talk to the client, some brokers just want an app first. Like, there's just like everybody wanted a custom program.
1: And yeah. I, after a while, we just realized, like, we just couldn't do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. At scale, it started to kind of not make a lot of sense. Okay. So then in there as well, one of the things you realize is that you scratch your own itch, you solve your own problem. And sometimes when you solve your own problem, it becomes a solution for everybody. And so these people on the phone, then you need to go to search the rates, figure out what's going on. So you created an index of this so that your person could be on the phone. And then that led to Lender Spotlight, correct? So that, yeah. So talk about and that. And that was actually,
0: you're right, like scratch your own itch, solve the problem. So the reason we built Lender Spotlight was because it was a 20 came out 2016, like late 2016. Yeah. And so I had Mortgage Pal. So this was like my second big, like, oh, no moment. Remember, like tax deductible mortgages, I almost blew myself up. When B20 yeah. came out, it was the same thing. I had all this infrastructure. We had leads flowing like crazy. We were doing like 10 to 15,000 leads a year. It was all well, getting- you thin- couldn't
1: effectively quote a rate. It was correct. so much more complex
0: our business went to zero. Like we couldn't convert our calls because we had this very easy process. We would ask like three or four questions and then we would quote a rate. And my whole team knew how to quote rates and it was accurate. And what we quoted is what we funded at. And even if we had to eat it once in a while, but after B20 came out, like we couldn't quote rates. And so we hit the pause button. So like everything dried up, everybody on salary, I was like, okay, turn off the marketing. Cause that's way too expensive. So I learned my lesson from the past. I was like, just You didn't commit
1: to a six month spend.
0: Like, no, I was like, I hit pause immediately on a massive lead flow. Then I had all these salaries to feed. And I was like, Well, okay, I locked myself, my brother and I, Darcy, actually, we locked ourselves in a restaurant for like five days. We grabbed a spreadsheet and we were like, What are the questions we need to address? And we just we built this like matrix, and we just sat there literally. He read lender policies one at a time, and I plugged them into the spreadsheet. So we figured out how the sheet needed to work. Anyway, we gave The sheet to our agents, and we were like, use this. And we turned the lead flow back on a little bit, just a little bit. And then it was instantaneous. Like, we were able to quote rates again. They were wrong. Like, the spreadsheet had so many errors, and it It was like crazy. But the agent said, I can do my job again. And then a few weeks after that, they started saying, I don't know how I did my job before without this. It was great. It was awesome. And then they were like, I don't think I can ever do my job again without this. And so I was like, okay here's what we're going to do. Like I hired a developer. We're going to actually build this thing and we're going to give it to everybody. And the reason I wanted to give it to everybody was because we had Doc Assist. I was trying to build goodwill in the mortgage channel to get people into into the underwriting system that I had built. And so I was like, I just gave Spotlight away. I was just like, here it is. Doc Assist built it. It's for you. It makes it
1: hard for people to compete with you though. Because if you create a free service, it's like, how do you you compete with free? Like, How do you compete with free?
0: and I was like, if people like it, they'll know that Docasit built it. And so that was the idea. And then it was like within 30 days, we had a thousand users. It was right. just crazy. And I realized that that was the thing we should spend more time on. Right. And
1: then you guys exited that, right? You
0: sold Lender Spotlight. I think most people know like Lendesk
1: bought Lender Spotlight
0: from us. Okay. Yeah. This is going back yeah. a few years now
1: already. Yeah. I actually, I don't know if you remember this. I actually connected you with Alex at Lendesk because he said that I introduced you guys. I was like, hey, you guys Did need your to talk. Yeah, I remember I was somewhere in Vancouver and I'm like, dude, we got to talk. And then even before you, when you were cooking up this thing in that restaurant, you reached out to me. And you said, do you notice that people are always going into that Facebook group and asking questions? And don't you think it'd be a good idea if people had a way to search that? And I said, yeah. And one of the things on my build list was LenderWiki, which was kind of this idea. LenderWiki? Did, did you have LenderWiki? Lender Wiki. I did have the domain, yeah. LenderWiki. But I was like, damn, I don't have any time to do this. So I'm like, dude, go forth and crush it. And you did. But my idea was Lender Wiki. It was kind of like the idea of like a Wikipedia for lenders where you could just go in and search and figure out what you needed, but it didn't hit there, the right. There are so time. many
0: things, and I can't point to any one specific, but there's a bunch of things that you've done where I'm like, oh, I wish I did that. And now I have Lender Wiki.
1: So Lender that's, Wiki. That's, well, that's you got you beat me on like Lender at. Wiki. I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, dang it, you've already done it. So but you were solving your own problem. I was solving like, you know, my business was much more less complex. It was a problem I was solving, a hypothetical problem, whereas you knew intimately and you had like a user base to actually be using the thing right away. Like you brought it to your agents, like say, use this. It lets you iterate faster and you're gonna get feedback from all these people and then you can make it better quicker because like it would have been hard for me to even compete on that because I would have been like, I wasn't running the type of business with the lead flow you guys had. And my clients are all referral, it's Bob, Bob. And it was like, you yeah, know, I work with four lenders, life is easy. So I like, I've been like, my lender wiki would have had four lenders in it. <laughs> so <laughs> it like been, literally, it, it, it been really touched simple. on
0: something. I don't know, I have to look at it, but I'm pretty sure like anything I've built, it's because I was at a critical moment where I had no choice, like something went wrong. It was like literally a result of a shift or a change or like something negative in my business that I had to solve the problem for. So yeah, if we didn't have B20, if my business didn't come to a grinding halt, I would never have built Lender Spotlight.
1: Maybe we'd have Lender. It's always the way though. It's like, I say creativity loves constraints. And so when you Mm -hmm. apply a constraint, the bottom falling out of the market and tax deduct, well, okay, now I've got to be creative. You know, B20 comes, I got to be creative. I used to be able to, in three minutes, could figure out exactly what's going on. And anybody listening to this who's a mortgage broker now, it is way harder today to be a mortgage broker than it was when we you and I started. Like the complexity of underwriting, like it makes my head hurt just thinking about it. Like, oh my gosh. Like, you know, so it's great that we have these tools, but it's definitely more complex. Okay, so into Lender Spotlight, And then you're also doing some coaching with Ryan, the 10 Loads a Month Academy, which back to tax deductible, full circle, which is apparently going really well. So that's cool. You're full, but so people are interested. They can go to 10 Loads a Month and find out the next time you do it. Tell me about what you're working on now. You had messaged me about this idea that you had, and I was like, dang it. This is another one of those. This is the second time you hit me. It's kind of like we're boxing, and you hit me with another one. I was like, that is a good idea. So tell me about what the thing (laughs) is, and then we'll tell people where they can go.
0: Okay. So, I mean, you know, I've got a bunch of different programs. I've spent the last couple of years kind of, you know, doing some things. We've got the VIP club, we've got Resley, we've got Fundable. And I don't know that we have time to talk about all those things today, but so one of the constraints I have is I want to be sharing information about those programs you know, with the mortgage community. But I always feel like every time I go to send something, I have to choose. Like, I'm like, oh, what am I going to actually talk about? And I have to choose one of the programs and I don't want to inundate people's inboxes. And so I was like, well, maybe I should just write a summary of all these programs, like a little newsletter that has just a little bit of information about each one. And then I realized I was like, you know what? That's actually a really cool idea where like I could just share these things, but then it's kind of self-serving. And I thought, well, if I'm doing this for myself, what if I did it for everything? And so the idea is like anything that's related to marketing or innovation, like digital innovation or technology, what if we had a newsletter that went out every couple of weeks and it just had tiny snippets in it of this is what's happening over here. Like, so this is the new feature at Finmo. Or this is, you know, a new product that the Canadian Mortgage App is rolling out, or you know, VIP Club or the programs that I care about, and so it's less self-serving that way. I'm still going to have my programs in there, but I've already started talking to like all the tech providers, like Velocity is going to be in it, Finmo, Expert, Canadian Mortgage App. We're going to have a section on ten loans a month because you guys are doing some great stuff, bringing in new coaches and new content, and so basically anything that's new and innovative in the mortgage industry. It's going to be in this newsletter and it's just gonna be tiny snippets and then you can click to learn more. Yeah,
1: we'll go read the thing, yeah. but basically go it's like a thing. list of all the and you can be like, Oh, that's interesting, and then click it rather than so. I love the idea. And I said to you, it's kind of like Ted was technology education and design. And so this is like technology. What'd you say? It was um technology, innovation, and marketing. Innovation and marketing. So Tim, it's like Tim. You're Tim. gonna be like, your Tim. I don't know if you want to use that, but <laughs> I it, love it. Tim it, talks, it's it's your Tim email, right? Your Timmy's coffee, read your Tim's email. Find out what's going on in the mortgage space. I love it. I, I'm going to be subscribing to it for sure because, it's, again, like there's a lot of it's the aggregation of all this stuff. Even just reading the headlines sometimes can give me enough to be like, okay, I kind of know what's going on. And then if I yeah. want more, I'll just like click the. What's happening the over there? Okay. Thing. Yeah. So this
0: is going to be totally free. It's free to yeah. receive. It's going to be free to be a content provider. Like if you have a service or a technology piece or you're doing something that's innovative and that can help, you can add content to this. And I'm not charging. Suppliers, and I'm not charging the readers either. I really hope that it becomes like the go to
1: place that people are like, Yeah, I look forward to getting that email. Yeah, because it it just gives me all those summaries. Yeah, it gets all those summaries that you can go do. So I think that's a great idea. And we actually technically have collaborated because I created a company called VIP Club. So we can maybe touch on that briefly. And now you are one of the owners of VIP Club and you're running that, you know, and so. You want to talk about that? Just be totally. Uh, so that's so, an,
0: so that's a really good example of something you built that I was like, oh, I wish I had a thought of that. When you came out with VIP Club, which is a monthly contest newsletter, it's really simple. Yeah. It's a really highly engaging monthly newsletter with like a mortgage article and then a contest that people can answer a question and then you know their answer comes to the broker and then you respond to it. It's really really engaging. Like we get these crazy engagement rates. Anyway, so when you came out with that, I was like, man, that is a brilliant idea. And then I think Ryan loved it. Ryan Wiley loved it so much. He offered to buy it from you and you agreed to sell it to him. And then he and I ended up partnering on it. So somehow it came yeah. full circle where, yeah, you know. totally. He, yeah, he's
1: Ryan's smart that way. Like I was happy with the deal that I did with Ryan. I love you, Ryan, but I would have rather done a deal with you in hindsight, knowing what I know now, but hey, you know what? It's not my <laughs> only idea. So like, I know that the program, you guys have done so many improvements to it. I'm the kind of guy like, so when I ended up selling that, cause I was running the 10 Loans a Month Academy. And I was like, man, I can't fly two planes. I got ADD, you put me in two planes and they're both gonna go into the side of a mountain. (laughs) And so I was like, I gotta make a decision here. And I love training, I love education and marketing. And so I was like, okay. And then Ryan, he's just, just hey man. And now for me anyways, I've moved into my brokerage, which bricks and same thing. I was like, okay, Scott, you can't have two masters. What's it gonna be? And so I've just into the brokerage now. It's all of the learning and education that I've done, just pouring it into one thing instead of like, When I was in my 30s, like I'm older now, I would definitely have tried to do two, but then both suck. I just don't think that that's the way for me to do it. Like I have to have that, you know, monomaniacal focus.
0: It is good Um, to focus. I come up with ideas all the time and I have to remind myself to just focus on the things that I'm doing and make those really successful. So same, same thing. I think we're both at a place in our lives where we're like, okay, we realize that you just can't keep chasing the shiny object. Can't just so, create yeah. some
1: new stuff. So yeah, but anyway, I, so VIP club, you guys can check out the VIP club.io, I think is the website yep, where sure. you can go check it out. So I'm not involved in that anymore other than I just think it's a great service. And I know that the people that have been on it for a long time, you want to talk about sticky brokers. We've, they got, using it, they love we've it.
0: got 330 brokers on it. And then all time, like you launched it four years ago, I think all time we've signed up like just under 400 people. So like, it's so sticky, but here's the thing about sticky. like, there's two ways to make things sticky. You can have really highly enforceable legal agreements and, you know, and hold people accountable to them, or you can just make the product really, really amazing and then value well beyond what it costs. And that's why brokers stick around with it. You built something really awesome and I'm really proud to be part of it. And yeah, we've done a lot of like enhancements and done some things. It was a great concept, Scott, and I'm just really excited. The
1: next idea, I'm just coming straight to you. I'm just going to be like, hey, dude, let's just do this together <laughs> instead of like, no, I'm I'm all in on the brokers. I'm loving what I'm doing. So, But anyway, I think it's great service. You guys should go check it out. So where can they get signed up for this newsletter? Let's finish with okay, that. Okay, so the newsletter
0: is what's new in the mortgage industry. So just go to what's mortgage. So what's new with an S, like "What what's new.mortgage. And there's a page there. You can just sign up. You throw your email address in. It's really simple. There's nothing else you can do on the page. Just put an email address in and you'll start getting it. The first edition is going to come out at the end of October. So
1: we're like just getting our first newsletter out now. Yeah. What's new? Love it, man. Jason, always good chatting with your brother. And we'll have to get you back again sometime. And we only to scratch the surface on some of the stuff that you've done and been learning. And I love chatting with you.
0: Same, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it.
1: Hey, hopefully you found that conversation with Jason to be insightful. I know he's a smart dude and I always feel like I get smarter every time I talk to him. In this upcoming segment, I'm going to talk to Ben McCabe from Bloom about life with reverse mortgage. Hey, Ben. Welcome back to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott. So, hey, let's chat today about something I don't think we've talked about in the past, which is life with a reverse mortgage. So, what happens after all the papers are signed and they got the mortgage in place and they have no mortgage payment walk me through sort of what your clients experience typically in those situations
2: yeah for sure so i mean obviously the story doesn't end for us once the mortgage is funded right we stay close to the customers we know we're going to be there throughout the life of the mortgage right and so we'll often check back with customers a few months after the reverse mortgage is in place and just see how things are going you know really the first thing that we hear from a lot of customers is they tell us that their basically income and expense balance has really been right sized as a result of the reverse mortgage right so Our typical customer today, let's say they have got $3,500 of monthly income, $1,500 of that is going out towards paying their existing mortgage. And, you know, when they add up all their other expenses, they're burning, right? They're in the red, you know, let's say they're burning $500 a month. So what, how does that translate? You know, first of all, their HELOC balance is going to increase, right? And then, you know, once they tap out there, then they're going to be, you know, obviously drawing on other sources of debt. So really just sort of getting themselves into a position they don't want to be in in retirement. When we wipe out that mortgage balance with the reverse mortgage and we wipe out you know, their other unsecured debts, now all of a sudden, that income expense balance is right-sized and they're back in the black. And when we talk to customers, they just tell us like, what a weight that is off their shoulders to be able to know that on a month-to-month basis, they're not getting themselves into more trouble. They're good.
1: And so that's really like the first thing that we see for customers. Right. So their monthly cash flow, obviously, you're going to feel that. People live in the monthly payments. And if every month you are in a deficit, it's pretty stressful. I and mean, you take that away, and then it makes a huge difference. Okay, so that's the first. What else do you see when somebody actually gets the reverse mortgage? Yeah, so flowing from that is really just an overall
2: increase in the financial health of the borrower, right? We actually we did a bit of analysis. We looked back and said, okay, what was the credit score of our borrowers when they applied with us? And then what was it a few months later? On average, the credit score of our borrowers was up 23 points after a few months. And you know, presumably that'll increase even more over time as they continue to build on that good credit history and you know, no more late payments, et cetera. So that
1: overall, you know, improvement in financial health is something we see as well. Right. And you got balances that are down, like that were exactly close to limits. And now you've got them eliminated and again back to the like monthly cash flow. So credit scores improve, overall financial health. Any other things you notice?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, so one thing that's unique about having a reverse mortgage versus having other mortgages is that you're not going to hear from us every month, right? And you're actually not going to hear from us very much at all. If you don't want to, you'll get a statement once a year at the end of the year, which will have your balance and you know, the interest that's accrued to the mortgage over time. Every so often, we'll check that your property taxes are up to date. Every few years, we might have to come back and do an appraisal on the house. It's really for our purposes, just for understanding what the loan to value ratio is. There's no risk to the borrower about you know having to pay back the mortgage.
1: that's just, pretty you're much You're just it. basically assessing your book of business to be like, exactly. here's what we've got loaned out. Here's what our... Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. That's just for our record keeping
2: purposes. But if they don't want to, they will not hear from us very often. Right. You're like the best don't call
1: us kind of thing. Set and forget yeah, it. exactly. Right Set and forget it. Yeah. Set and forget it. Is there anything else that people find once they get that reverse mortgage in place? What like the nine to five looks like?
2: Yeah. So the last thing is that once a customer kind of gets used to the idea of the reverse mortgage of having this in place and they're comfortable with it, we get a lot of customers coming back for more later. Now, I'll give you an example. So what we do when we put our reverse mortgage in place is we'll give customers what they need, what they want right now. A lot of customers will say, "I just want to pay out my existing mortgage, and that's it." So let's say a customer has, you know, a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage. We'll pay that out, but we might have authorized them for four hundred thousand. And what we'll tell them is, if you ever need to come back for more, you just give us a call, and you can come back for that remaining authorization. So last week we actually had this happen. You know, a couple months ago, had taken out a two hundred fifty thousand dollar reverse mortgage to pay out their existing mortgage, but we'd authorized them for four hundred. And, you know, basically with that done, they all of a sudden started to feel this new kind of financial freedom in their lives, that new flexibility. These people hadn't thought about taking a trip for years and years and years, right? Because they'd been living just on the margin, just barely kind of keeping up with their monthly expenses. But they gave us a call and said, Hey, we want to go on a cruise. Can we get 5,000 bucks? So we said, yeah, of course, within 24 hours, they had $5,000 in their accounts, no fees associated with that, nothing like that. It's pretty quick. It's a painless process. So what we do is we'll often see customers like that
1: coming back for more as they get used to, as they get comfortable with the reverse mortgage product. Right. And how cool is that to be able to do something that they didn't think they could do? So, yeah, that's awesome. So, okay. Any other thoughts on this or you want to recap kind of, life with a reverse mortgage. Reverse mortgage sounds awesome. I wish you know I could qualify for one. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, look, it's- Maybe it's, I just I call think... up my bank and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do a pretend reverse mortgage. I'm not going to pay you guys. Are we good? <laughs> <they're> like, sure. <laughs> no, Scott, we're not good. Uh, yeah, so. no. I mean, I think probably some thing
2: that kind of ties us all up is- is just the kind of like the huge weight off customers' shoulders once they get that reverse mortgage in place, and just the newfound sense of financial flexibility—not living kind of CPP check to CPP check anymore—and certainly being able to afford all the needs,
1: and then also you know be able to afford some of the wants as well. That's really the beauty of the reverse mortgage product. Right. This is awesome, Ben. So if anybody listening to this, if you guys want to check out Bloom Finance, you guys are the newest entrant in reverse mortgages. You guys are growing like crazy. The feedback, one of my buddies, uh, Ryan Wiley, said that he used you guys recently and it was awesome. So check them out, bloomfin.ca. Ben and his team will help you guys and your clients. As long as they qualify, they'll help you get this all set up. And then it'd be cool on the back end of this, you reach out to your clients and say, what's it like having no mortgage payment? You know, like most of them are gonna be like, this is awesome. So I think it's a great product for the right situation. So thanks Ben for coming chat with us. Thanks Scott. All right, thanks again for listening to me today, chat with Jason and Ben. Hopefully you got some ideas for your mortgage business or certainly inspired the guy like Jason. He's a wicked smart dude. If you're listening to this, a couple of quick things. One, go to what's new.mortgage to get on that list to find out what's happening in the mortgage industry. Also, you can go to the 10 loansamonthcom That's the number 10 and Find out what they got going on there. That's with Ryan and Jason. Ryan's actually running that, but Jason's one of his coaches. And you can also go to brokering.com and check out our power search tool. It lets you search all the past episodes. It's pretty robust at brokering.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode, and I will catch you on the next show. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.